Welcome back to the Protest Coverage Podcast. I'm Kevin Xavier alongside co-host Amanda Faraya, and our guest this week is fighting for his life. Prakash Cherman was arrested in Queens, New York at the age of 15 on a murder charge. He spent nearly four years in jail awaiting trial, then was convicted in 2018 before having that conviction overturned in June 2020. The state is still pursuing a murder conviction against him. And as a result of this case, Cash has been incarcerated for most of his adolescence and all of his adult life. Out on bail, he joins us to discuss his new trial and what has brought him to this point. The protest coverage podcast starts now. So we welcome in Cash. Welcome. Thank you for taking the time. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your story? My name is Prakash Chairman. I'm 21 years old. And um, I was arrested at the age of 15 um, on December 9th, 2014. <clears throat> I was uh, dragged out of my bed at six in the morning, handcuffed, placed in an unmarked NYPD vehicle, drove around for three hours, then taken to the precinct where I was handcuffed to a wall, uh, to a bar on the wall until my mother arrived um, an hour and a half later. And that's um, when these two NYPD detectives um, started gruesomely interrogating me. So from that day on, I, I, I was sent to uh, a juvenile detention center in um, in Brooklyn called Crossroads. Uh, I remained there for about a year and a half. And I was then transferred um, to Rikers Island in July of 2016 at the age of 17. And then I remained on Rikers Island from July 2016 um until January 2019 uh, I was then transferred up to an upstate maximum security prison in New York um <clears throat> in 2018 of uh November I, I I was afforded my trial which was basically nearly 4 years so I want to emphasize on the fact that I languished in jail awaiting a, a trial for nearly four years. Um, I was given a trial, an unfair trial. I was denied from presenting evidence on my behalf. That is the reason why my conviction has been overturned. Um, so I was, I was convicted in, in November of 2018 uh, by a, a jury in um, in the county of Queens. And December, I was sentenced to a term of nine years to life in prison. At that point, I was 19 years old. So from 15 to 19, I sat in jail. I grew up in I grew up in, in a system 
And then I was then giving my day in court. And my day in court wasn't even fair. Um, so I was then sent to a maximum security prison, which is is when which is which is when um the appeal process of of my uh case of my conviction started i waited about a year and a half until uh we we received the decision on my appeal and on june twenty fourth of twenty twenty i received uh, a decision from the appellate division second department uh, Supreme Court of New York State, uh, and and they reversed my conviction, overturned my conviction, um, and ordered a new trial. So, um, in in on July first, I was transferred back down to Rikers Island to await a new trial. So now I get transferred back down to Rikers Island in the midst of a pandemic. I'm sitting on Rikers Island. Um. And I then had got assigned a new attorney in October of 2020. His name is Jose Nieves. In November of 2020 was the first time I saw uh, the judge in person after my uh, conviction had been overturned. And we had uh, submitted an application to, to the judge requesting reasonable bail. Uh, at that point, the judge Denied, denied everything that we 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 requested. So then, we decided to appeal his decision to the appellate division, second department, same court that uh, overturned my conviction. And that court uh, basically modified his decision and granted me bail. Um, at $150,000 cash or bond with um, electronic monitoring conditions. So that was, in that was on December 17th of 2020. That was the day uh, I was granted bail. So from that day um, on, we, you know, I just started connecting um, with a lot of people and we just started, um, Raising, uh, raising, raising the funds through uh, our, my GoFundMe. We had reached out to, um, you know, a few um, bail, uh, bail fund organizations and stuff like that. I finally got bailed out on January 19th of 2021 after being incarcerated for six years, one month, in 10 days and I've um, I've now just been out on um, home confinement awaiting a new trial. Thank you Cash for sharing that. Uh, I know it's not the easiest topic to discuss uh, considering the amount of time that you've been removed from society. Um, so as much time as you need to explain what you need to explain you know you have uh, that. Yeah. Oh. I apologize for like pausing, you know, bro. It's just um. Well, I just want to want to let you know you have all the time you need. 
you know, it's these are diff. This is this is your life. It's a difficult uh, yeah, topic to discuss. I so. just want to emphasize on. I want to emphasize on the fact that at this given moment, I'm risking my life. I'm risking my life. I'm facing a life sentence right now to prove my innocence. And that's how much, that's how far I'm willing to go to prove it, to prove my innocence. And if that isn't enough to, to show people in, in society that I am innocent, then I don't know what, what is. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an unbelievable story. Um, you know, we're going to break, we've discussed some of the details. We're going to, we're going to dig into some of those as well. Uh, just to clarify for the listeners, um, the initial verdict was overturned because you are not permitted an expert in juvenile interrogation and coercion of juvenile false confessions. Is that correct? Uh, yes, correct. In my trial in 2018, my attorney, Ronald L. Kuby, uh, submitted a motion to present an expert to testify on my behalf on the on the subject of juvenile false confessions. And the judge, originally the judge had granted it, and then the prosecution had submitted a motion to preclude. And at that at that time, the judge granted the prosecution's motion to preclude, which basically denied denied me from presenting evidence on my behalf, which right. I have a constitution I have a constitutional right to present a defense. Right. And that is why you had to go the appellate route uh for the conviction. Is that correct? And those were the that grounds that you were granted a new trial. That was one of the grounds that was um brought up in my legal argument in, in my direct appeal. Um process of, of you know appealing my conviction and then you have the bail situation arise after your conviction is overturned and correct not- after being on Rikers Island um so I got back to Rikers Island July 1st so from July to January I was on Rikers Island and then you had to go appeal another decision just to get out in, in of no- bail in, in in November yes when I, my first I had my first in-person appearance uh, the judge denied the bail. We then appealed his decision, and we were then granted bail in December. Correct. What's it been like? Just we'll get into you know your time incarcerated, <laughs> but what has it been like uh, for the amount of court proceedings that you've had to attend, the mm-hmm. amount of uh, appeals that you've had to 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 file in order to get your freedom to get outside what is that what has that process been like and, and what what have you been doing to keep yourself focused um to get the justice you, you seek um honestly I, I just wake up every day telling myself like i know i'm in this i know deep down inside I did not commit this crime and, and that I'm just going to continue continue being resilient 
What does it mean to you if you decided to take the plea deal if it meant freedom? It, it would just be going against all of my truth. It would be going against my morals, my ethics. I mean, me as a person, it'd be going against me. I, I wouldn't be able to live with myself after that. Do you feel as though if you were to take that route, you would still be caught up in the system somehow? Of course, because the system is designed to fail us. So if I had taken that plea, I would be home this summer with a class uh, B violent, a class B violent felony on my record for the rest of my life. Which often means you can't work. You know, it's it's not easy to get hired. You certainly can't go to school, which you've spent most of your adult life, all of your adult life so far, incarcerated. So, all of my adolescence, my youth, from age fifteen to twenty-one, was stolen from me. You know, I mean, I I, I tell a lot of people that. NYPD kidnapped me at the age of 15. The system, the system as a whole kidnapped me at the age of 15. I was, I was a normal teenager. I had just started freshman year. I was 15 years old. I was three weeks into freshman year of high school. And police come at six in the morning, wake me up out of my bed. And Placed me in handcuffs, and that was it for me. Were you allowed to attend school while you've been incarcerated? Uh, yes. Yes, I, um, I, I actually like really took full advantage of um, the educational resources that were that that was provided while I was incarcerated. Um, in in, in June of two thousand and 17 I was uh I earned I earned my um high school equivalency diploma I did that while I was on Rikers Island I'm sure that was a big accomplishment despite where you were yeah actually yeah I got it right here you want to see it yeah for sure congrats hey, definitely man that's came, awesome. a long way. came a long way, man. Yeah, a lot of work went into that. You know, it's got to be something that uh, that you're proud of. You know, that you're able to put all the other stuff aside right, and focus on that. It's definitely an accomplishment. I think if anything, that shows your determination, right? You know, you're a kid with so much weight on your shoulders, but yet you were still able to take a break and focus enough to earn a diploma. Yeah, so definitely, definitely pat yourself on the back for that. You know, you deserve to celebrate that. Yeah, my birthday is actually next month. Um, this is gonna be my first birthday out in society. When's your birthday? Yeah, June 22nd. Oh, awesome. How do you plan to celebrate? I'll just, you know, pull up a few friends 
um, just you know, make the best of it. Man. Yeah. Yeah. That's you another, should. That's another thing. Um, it's important for the listeners to understand. Cash, you and I had chatted about this before. Just because you're out on bail, the conditions of your bail are pretty restrictive. You're wearing an ankle monitor. Uh, you're not permitted to work, right? Um, so you're pretty much confined to your home. Um, you, you're allowed to do doctor's visits and have meetings with your attorneys. Um, but to my understanding, that's, that's pretty much the extent of your freedom at this moment. Uh, yes, you're absolutely correct. Um, I, you know, I don't have, you know, the privilege to work. The, the court hasn't, you know, given me that opportunity. I want to walk back a little bit, Cash, to the the initial trial and the conviction. Um, so a linchpin of the case against you is an ear witness. Is that correct? An ear witness who believes they heard your voice at the scene during this incident. That testimony, that, that was a strong, a strong aspect of the case against you. Is that correct? Uh, actually, it was a, it was a 21-year-old male um, that was fatally shot. Forgive Which me. was one of your friends, right? Uh, yes, it was one of my yeah. friends. Correct. I'm sorry. I'm I'm confusing it with the the woman. Nah, I just wanted. To, I just wanted to, you know. Nope. Uh, Excellent. That's it's important we get all the the facts correct, uh, and that's what I'm trying to clarify. My understanding from our previous discussion is that someone had heard, uh, believed they heard you, your voice and identified you, and that's how you were put at the scene uh, in the state's eyes. Uh, yes, it, it, an elderly an elderly woman. Uh, claimed that she recognized my voice. So that's what placed me as a suspect, I guess. I didn't know that someone could just go to the precinct and say, yo, I heard someone and just just go from that. A person that came, a person that came to my trial and testified that that they only met me two to three times at most. But also, but testified that they believed it was your voice that they heard in court. Yeah. And you might not be able to answer this. I understand, you know, this, Rakesh facing uh, a trial, his next court date is July the 14th. Um, although the first trial was overturned, as of right now, he's being retried. Uh, first convicted. My, my conviction was overturned. Correct. The first conviction was overturned on appeal. Um, and, but you're being retried. It's not, some people think, oh, well, you got the conviction overturned. You're free to go. Everyone's, everyone's, you know, satisfied. And that's not the case. The, the state is still pursuing a conviction against you. Um, and in doing so, they've offered you to plea to a lesser crime and basically have time served. Could you explain that a little bit more to us, uh, the offer that they've given you? Yeah, yeah, once my conviction was overturned in uh, June of last year, uh, 
was like a few weeks. Had to be in like a few weeks afterwards, like sometime in July. Um, Queens District Attorney's Office um stated that they had an offer on the table, and that offer was for me to plead to the lesser charge, which was um assault in the first degree, and which would lead which would then lead me to a term of uh three and a third to ten years which is a uh, violent class B felony. So you would walk at, away at free. That time. Sorry. So you would walk yeah. away free, but you would have to be a felon for the rest of your life, and you'd have to admit to first-degree assault. Right. And instead, you're facing, again, nine years to life. Is that correct? Correct. Because you believe you're innocent of these charges and I know I am in these charges but you know the belief you have in yourself um and knowledge of your innocence um so strongly that you're willing to face nine years to life uh in the event that it doesn't go your way just that takes that takes a certain level of uh of strength and you know, belief in yourself, uh, belief in your attorney's trust. Just wondering, you know, how long did it take you to come to that decision? You know, obviously this was presented to to you. You had a certain amount of time to think about it. How long did it take you to process that information and make the decision that you weren't going to accept that deal? Um, there was no doubt in my mind. Uh, I immediately told my lawyer that um, I reject. I decline um, any offer that the Queen's District Attorney uh, offers me. And aside from the, I guess, the ear testimony, um, is there any physical evidence that links you to the crime? None whatsoever. So. The prosecutors based, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, they based their argument on this this ear witness who did not see you. She thinks she heard you. Correct. Uh, yes, the state the state used um, in, in a witness that is alleging uh, they heard my voice and a false confession they forced out of me at the age of 15. And do you know if any, I'm not sure if you can answer this either, but do you know if any, um, if anyone has brought up the concerns from the Katrina Vitrano case, where it is believed that the same detective that um, interrogated you also interrogated Chanel Lewis, who was a suspect in that case. Um, there are concerns that he coerced Chanel Lewis to admit to her murder. Has that been brought up in your case at all? Uh, it, it's been brought up like on a like on a on a political level, I would say, I guess, um, because uh, you know Chanel Chanel's Lewis's case was used uh, by Queens DA Melinda Katz to, to basically um, basically win the race. Like she 
promised to review his case, and I guess now it's like she's DA now, and nobody is crickets now about Chanel Lewis. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, and I know you've launched a campaign uh, to bring attention to your case, uh, and you know, we'll let you give the website and all any of the social media details and all that stuff. But you have been making overtures directly to the DA. Uh, to get in touch, to talk to you about this beyond the one plea offer that you were given. Have you had any further contact or negotiation regarding a plea deal or dismissal of your case? Um, yes. Um, prior to my first trial in 2018, in late 2018, um, I, I was offered a plea deal um of seven years to life at which time I immediately uh rejected and went forward with trial but since the uh three and a third to nine year offer on the first degree assault charge that they were trying to get you to plead to have there been any further overtures have they extended any other uh, deals toward you? No, there has only been two uh, plea deal, plea deals, um, plea deal offers in my case. Um, first one was prior to my first trial. Um, that one was uh, seven years to life. That was the offer, and I rejected that one. And then the second one was, uh, and sometime in the July of uh, 2020, after my conviction had been overturned, they offered me uh, assault in the first. To three and a third to ten years, at which time I immediately rejected as well. So, and again, answer what you can. But yeah, yeah. our offer discussions, um, you had mentioned that there was evidence that you were not permitted to present, or maybe wasn't available to you at that time, that puts you 19 blocks away at the time this robbery, assault, murder occurred. Is that something you're willing to or able to discuss at this time? Uh, you know, due to, the, due to the fact that, you know, my case is still pending and um, this will be published publicly, you know, I can't really uh, speak on that at this given moment. All right, we respect that. Um, I, I guess to put it in the simplest of terms, for both Amanda and I and, and the audience, you were 19 blocks away at the time this occurred. Uh, and that's why it's impossible for you to have participated in anything related to this crime or crimes. And uh, the reason you swiftly rejected an opportunity to walk free and instead chose to face a life imprisonment uh, to defend your innocence. Uh, all right. Is there any reason why the same judge who originally um, presided over your case is still being allowed to preside over this new trial, given um, hit the original case led to a wrongful conviction? Uh, that, that's still a question in my mind. Um, but uh, speaking from a legal aspect, it's completely legal. You know, I, you know, I've, 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 
I've done my research. I've asked my lawyer. Mm -hmm. It's legal. Yeah, I just wanted to know between now and July 14th, is there any way, you know, people listening can further support you? Um, yes, most definitely. Um, most of my stuff is on social media. I have a Facebook. And it's uh, Prakash Sherman. And uh, my Instagram is uh, Free Prakash Alliance. My Twitter is at Freedom number four Prakash. Thank you for listening. In part two of our conversation with Prakash, he discusses his life goals and why he still has faith in the system that has denied him justice for most his life. For Amanda Faria, I'm Kevin Xavier. We'll see you next time on the Protest Coverage Podcast.